Radio. Today's session is an exciting one in that we talked to Darius Fagan, who at the time was the Chief Probation Officer in the Department of Corrections, New Zealand. Darius now holds the title of General Manager within the Department of Corrections, New Zealand. And at the time of this conversation, we were discussing pandemics, COVID, but more importantly, the impact that that has on leadership. From a government perspective, how Darius managed and led people through this time within corrections, within his own teams, within his own staffing regime. We talk about how to lead and manage competing priorities, schedules, when there are so many people and different things requesting your time. How do you get clarity through that? We also talked about the importance of leading people through crisis and leading people through times where maybe they didn't expect it or see it coming. I ask you to join us now in this amazing conversation with Darius Fagan here on Render Radio. All right. Hey, welcome to Render Radio. My name is Cliff Thompson, and that is... Who are you, my friend? Hey, bro. I'm Bodie. It's great to be here tonight, all the way from Manurewa. Rewa. Good to have you, Bodie. I'm excited to bring on uh, our special guest tonight. He uh, was uh, my boss in a variety of different capacities when I was in corrections, uh, but not only as a boss, as a leader, um, a mentor, uh, someone that really carried himself uh, in a unique way, in, a, in a, a good way, despite all he had, in spite of all he had to carry and some of the pressures you might think someone in, in his position would carry. Mm. Um, so like I said, it's a real privilege for us to have him on here tonight. A very busy man. So the fact that he's made time um, for us and for you uh, mm. is really, really cool. So we're going to bring him in now. That's Darius Fagan. So Darius, welcome to the show. Good having you here. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> you guys are looking good. Look at the mood lighting you've got going on back there. That's, uh, you guys are up, like... Well, it's like salt. It can only enhance what's already there, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's great to have you on, Darius. And uh, like I said, I, I've been very privileged to, to have you as uh, my boss, my manager in a variety of different, different roles and uh, even uh, getting to know you in, on a bit more of a personal level and seeing you operate uh, has been really, really, um, call it a blessing and, and a real good learning for me. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, but just to kickstart us off, um, maybe tell us a bit about yourself and then a little bit about uh, the role you, you've you taken on now or that you've been in now for a while. Uh, and then we'll just have a bit of talk and conversation around that, leading into some leadership questions off the back of it. Mm. Yeah, so uh, kia ora, uh, ko tanarua te maunga, ko awa kairangi te awa, um, no Arongamai a hau, uh, ko Darius Toko Um I'm Darius, I'm from uh, Arongamai or, or Upper Hutt, uh, as it's commonly known. Um, I live near the Tararuas, which kind of tower in the background, um, and live near the Awakairangi, which is the Hutt River, as, as people know it. Um, and that's where I'm coming to you live from uh, right now. And that's where I was born and raised. And, then, and I went on a big circle in life. I went on a big journey um, to Auckland, to Christchurch, uh, overseas, um, and then for a whole host of reasons, ended up back here after um, being born and born and raised here. But um, my whanau, most of my whanau are from the South Island. Um, I'm the only North Islander in my, my whanau, you know, really. Uh, my mum and dad oh, wow. were from, um, well, my mum was from Tapanui, uh, down in the deep, deep south. 
and uh, my dad was born in Oamaru and, and they grew up, we spent a lot of time in Dunedin, um, met in a place near Dunedin called Tomahawk, um, moved to the North Island, I came along um, and yeah, so, so I'm pretty much the only North Islander apart from some of my cousins and stuff that are here from um, Wellington and, and Porirua. Uh, wow. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I, I work for Corrections now, I, I'm General Manager for Case Management and um, Probation. Um, corrections are a pretty big place, you know, we've got 10,000 people, 10,000 essential people who work for Corrections. Wow. Um, wow. And, you know, a couple of thousand people that um, work in the community uh, for the probation part of Corrections. Um, and, you know, there's there's 10,000 people in our prison that, that need looking after right now. Uh, there's 30,000 yeah. people with community sentences of, of some type or other that, that either need our help or, or need us to keep an eye on them. Um, and, and that's kind of what we do. So um, whether it rain, hail or COVID, <laughs> somewhere in your community. So. Wow. And uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. I want to talk about sort of because of the, the scale and the scope of um, not just corrections, but your role. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But what sort of has been, if you could round it up, uh, what's been the journey in corrections? What was the on-ramp? What got you interested and and got you going? And what was your first role? And then, because uh, you've had a somewhat rapid rise, um, when people get to know you, they they see why you've you've risen the way you have uh, because of your skill set, your personality, your character. But what has been? Uh, what was your on-ramp? Uh, how did you get into corrections and sort of how, what's progressed you to where you are today? Yeah, the, the thing is, like, I, I've been working on and off for, for almost 20 years now, so uh, it depends how you define rapid. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> <laughs> rapid, you know. But um, uh, I went to uni in uh, Wellington here, went to Victoria Uni, and I did a criminology degree. And I think like a lot of young people, you do that at the time, you, you think it's an interesting thing to do, but you don't have a lot of idea of, of what you're going to do for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it happened... Um, I had some friends living in Christchurch, so I went down um, and hung out with them for a bit. Didn't have much going on, was working in a supermarket, enjoying that because it paid the bills, um, and saw these ads in the paper for probation officers. I thought, oh, criminology, maybe I can maybe I can do that. Um, so I applied for the job, got a phone call. Hey, sorry, you're not what we're looking for. Um, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> But then it, then it came up, there was a bit of training going on and they needed some people to kind of backfill. And so they kind of hired me as a as a temp to kind of fill in while they were doing a bit of training for some of the other permanent staff. And that's how I kind of got the foot in the door. Mm. Um, mm. And that, that training then went around other parts of the country. And so the opportunity to work in Auckland came up. I went up to Auckland, uh, worked in Auckland and Monaco uh, for a long time and... Um, learnt the craft of being a probation officer in mm. um, in Mangere and, and Banirewa and uh, Otara. And uh, that, was, that was an interesting experience, you know, like you know, grow up in Wellington, you, you don't know anything about <laughs> you know, Monaco and South Auckland or Auckland. Tell you about traffic and all that. And, and, uh, I remember the first week, um, Auckland had, people had told me how bad Auckland was, you know, it's traffic, it's dirty, it's terrible, it's crime and, they had that um, organic rubbish collection going on. And so I was getting the bus to work and, and I could just see all this stuff on the road. And I was like, 
man, that's like a war zone up here. <laughs> and I didn't realize that, you know, in a, in a week or so, all these trucks come around and, and clean all that stuff <laughs> up. Get rid of things up there, you know. That's yeah. And, um, yeah, started on a few manager jobs up there. And then I went overseas and, and a guy I'd been working with as a manager got in touch with me when I was overseas and he said, look, there's a district manager job come up in Taitukura, um, up in Whangarei. He said, you should apply for that. You know, you'd be really good at this. It's a, it's a good, good thing. And I, I wasn't really done with traveling, but I sort of right. thought, oh, okay, all right. And um, did the interview in my pajamas on the floor of my apartment. <laughs> and uh, got told I got that job. So, so I moved from this city in Japan, of like 4 million people to, to Whangarei of, you know, 50,000 or whatever. Yeah, wow. Um, it was good. And I, I think I've been lucky, you know, because corrections, there's so many different things you can do there. Um, because it is a big place, because it's everywhere in the country. If you move around, there's a job there, there's people you know, there's connections yeah. you can make. Um, and you end up doing things that you never thought you'd be doing. Like it, it's a such a deep kind of role. There's things from education to programs to treatment to volunteer sure. to community work. It's a big place. Yeah, that's great. And, and then you've ended up in the, the role you're in now. And how long have you been at national office? Um, and it, I know the title you have now is general manager. We are talking a bit earlier. It's sort of more from when you first went there um, and you've t- obviously taken on a few more things now. But uh, if you could, in a nutshell, describe to us your role today as general manager, probation and case management, what that covers and uh, sort of what, what the responsibilities are of that role. Yeah, so this role really is kind of a, a future-focused role, which is about um, how people do their job. I, I don't operate all the probation officers and all the staff out there, but I give um, guidance, advice and support and instructions on on how you do your job as a probation mm. officer or as a, as a case manager. Um, right. and, and the role is really thinking about not, not the job as it's done today, but how the job might be done next month or in a year, or in two years, you know, and, mm. and you're doing things like looking at what the best practice models are from um, our country and from other countries, um, understanding how to implement that here, or, or planning what laws might need to change and, and working through the mm. process of changing some of the laws that um, apply to how corrections works. Um, so it's really a, a future-focused role and one where you're yeah. thinking about what, what tomorrow is going to be like or next year is going yeah. to be like. That's a nice sort of segue into what we're wanting to talk about now, which is uh, you talk about future planning and thinking about what future practice looks like. Um, but none of us saw coming what sort of happened rapidly in the last few weeks or, or couple of months, which is this great challenge of, of COVID-19. And that meant for someone in your role at a, at a higher level of uh, leadership, you had to obviously pivot quite quickly um, and not just thinking about your team that you directly lead, but also the influence that team has, the, the programs of work, the uh, the different things that are going on. How did you find that challenge on a leadership level and how did you manage that? And then maybe we'll talk about on a personal level if there is a difference, uh, how you mm-hmm. found that as well. Yeah, it's... It's quite interesting because I think, you know, often we look at crises and you, you talk about it, no one saw it coming. Mm. And I think when you're in leadership and you're looking at the future, you always see something coming. You just don't know mm. what it is. And, and you know that one day 
you're going to have to deal with something that's hard. You're going to have to deal with a crisis or an emergency. And and in New Zealand, you know, we've had reminders of that over and over again. You know, we've had big things happen here. We've had earthquakes that have affected a lot of people. Um, we have floods that have a lot affected a lot of people. You know, recently in the far north there, we had droughts that affected a lot of people. And when you sit back and think about it, you're you're dealing with these situations, maybe not frequently, but you have dealt with things before. Um, yeah. Sometimes in a work sense and sometimes in a personal sense, you never know how these things are going to affect you. Um, and, and I think that's where you draw a lot on. We've, we've never had a situation that's affected the whole country to this yeah. degree. And then if you look beyond that, it affects the whole world to this degree. And that's the, the difference about this. But your preparation for any crisis or emergency starts ages ago. You know, it, it's kind of like the same thing happens at home. At home, you put smoke alarms in for that one day, you know, you, you yeah. leave the pot on the stove right, to, to save mm. your life. Um, yeah. You may you may not need that tomorrow. You may never need that. Um, and, and it's the same in a work setting. You know, we spend some time um, thinking about, oh, what are we going to do if, you know, the building burns down? What are we going to yeah. do if there's another earthquake? Um, how do we keep in touch with staff if communications are disrupted? Um, yeah. And as a leader, that's, that's a big part of your role is preparing people for that situation so that when it happens, People know a little bit what to do. They they know, and they know that you know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and and the good thing about that is that you know I, I think in in our organisation because there's lots of people around that have dealt with all types of emergencies, crisis. There was a lot of experience there, so yeah. you know you shouldn't be trying to deal with this or or make big decisions on your own. There should be other people around that mm. can either say, "Yep, that sounds like the right thing to do." Um, or hey, I've got a different idea. Yeah, no. yeah, that's great. And so, I mean, obviously, planning, leaning on uh, the experience of others um, in those ways. And when I think about my experience and having worked with you for for some time, um, one of the things that used to always you would leave me with an impression of is because I knew I had some. I didn't know all of it, but I had some idea of uh, what your schedule was like day to day. And I remember I remember one time we would have our, our morning briefs at national office and you'd, you'd have your, whether it was tablet or your diary, and you'd have, we'd see all of your your calendar items and all of the different meetings you had to go to and, and all of that sort of stuff. And yet you carried yourself in such a way where like truly was like a duck on water gliding and maybe it was paddling frantically, but beneath the surface. But but what what are those things for you, Darius, that keep you? Because I've I've never seen you necessarily um, blow your top or lose it in a meeting. I've never seen the stress really get to you. And you leaned into some of that conversation there um, about leading people well and ensuring that you um, sort of are a, a good for them. But what are those things for you? Why is it that? you personally uh, have found yourself to be that way in, in how you manage a lot of things going at once, but also keeping yourself uh, maybe pragmatic about what you can and can't do. How do you cope with that on a personal level? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple aspects to that. Like when you get into a state where you're you know, angry or frustrated or you're rushing or things like that, you're, you're not going to make good decisions. Mm. And, and I think it's real important in yourself to recognize things that might be making you agitated or making you worry or making you stress 
and and be able to identify that and have a way to kind of turn that switch off so that you bring yourself back down again. You know? sure. And um, there'll be a whole lot of different ways for different people in doing that. And, and the other thing is, you know, you, you, you can't, anytime you're really rattled and there's a lot of eyes on you and a lot of people watching you, they get rattled. And so yeah. you can't be like that. And, and I always think back to, you know, your time as a, well, my time as a probation officer, you know, you're dealing with some people in some tough situations, um, some people that tell you some things or have done some things that really make you feel um, worry inside or you really, um, you might feel angry about what they did inside or you might think, oh, man, that, that's a completely crazy way of thinking or, or something like that. But you can't go there on the outside because you immediately... <laughs> the rapport with that person you can't sort of go what that's crazy you're you're nuts you know why did you yeah. do that <laughs> you, you gotta gotta find a different way of dealing with that and that, that's a really good skill to have as a yeah. as a um and it's not about hiding it you know you yeah. can talk about this in a calm way you can say hey we're under pressure it's going to mm. be hard to make all these changes in a short space of time like we did with covid um talk about that but don't mm. panic and yeah. and that's I think we've done a lot of um, leadership training and, and a big part of it is about um, trusting people. Mm. So in a crisis like this, you, you can't give instructions to every single person every minute sure. of the day. You've got to give some high level direction and then trust that people are going to follow that. You know, mm. there's a thousand people out there working in the probation service. I, I can't, I can't yeah. bring them all and explain <laughs> to them what to do. I have to yeah. know that, that they're gonna gonna follow the direction and, and trust that, and that makes me feel calm when mm. I see that thing. And you know, that's been um, that's been a big part of the job and the role as as a leader all of the time. Yeah. No, that's great. And do you think that's something that you learned, or was it something that and can it be learned, or do you think it was something that innately uh, was part of your upbringing, uh, part of your your personality? Mm. I think, um, like, through life, I've always been quite an introverted person. So it's not my natural style to talk to people and lead people and <laughs> things like that. And, but I've always been a big observer. And so I've always liked to watch what's going on, understand, you know, and, and try and then reflect on how that situation could have been different. And that, that's something I've I've always done a little bit of when I was younger or as a child I, I don't know why um but i think that um when you get into your real working life that's something you can practice you know if, mm. if you take that time it doesn't have to be long you take that time to reflect and go oh what did i observe there how could i have made that situation different then then you're going to go a long way to being able to handle all types of situations in the future it doesn't matter what it's yeah, great and, and the thing is, even in a crisis, you've always got time. Yeah. You know, if if the building's on fire, you might not have a lot of time, but you've got a time. You, you can make mm. some decisions about what you do, how you get out. Um, yeah. In a crisis like this, we had a couple of days. It was great. You know, it yeah. wasn't like wait, where it suddenly happens and you've got to be all hands to the pump. So yeah. I think being able to understand that there's always a little bit of time to do a little bit of thinking. Um mm talk to some people, involve some people. Yeah. Uh, when you've always got that opportunity, you, you do it. Oh, that's great. That, that's really good advice. And so if we just shift tact a little bit, 
you've been now at home and you've had to somewhat change the way we do everyday work. Some of it won't change because, like you said, um, your team uh, was already in a space where they worked remotely anyway. But just on a personal level, uh, what are some of the the things that you you may have uh, intended to do at, at the start of this four-week lockdown uh, versus uh, the reality of what has actually happened or has transpired and what you have been able to do, haven't been able to do. How was that lockdown period at home been for you? Yeah, well, actually, just to touch on that and, and backtrack a little bit, um, when we first started understanding how serious this COVID virus situation was, we kind of put together an emergency management team and a response centre and had this idea of planning to go down through the different levels. And we spent like a whole weekend doing that. And then we went into work on the Monday. We were starting to implement that. And then at one o'clock on the Monday, we got told, hey, um, we're going to level four on Thursday. (laughs) Yeah, surprise. You're done. Went out the window and we're like, man, we're going to have to go straight to that level four. Um, and, And that meant we had to do a whole lot more work and less time to um to prepare for that um and i think that was probably the 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 hardest thing to deal with in that is that that big shift in direction um some people probably prepared for prepared for that and some people weren't and i think we've we've done some things already like planning about how our people were going to work and we were saying well let's split our teams in half let's have half the people in the building um that lasted one day we had half a day. You know, um, and and some of it was, you know, came down to excellent planning. And a lot of the people in our national office, because we were moving buildings recently, we'd all moved on to mobile devices, um, yeah. like different laptops and, and things like that. So that at least meant we could work offsite. Um, but we hadn't thought about how we actually connect. We, we're very used to being in the same place. Yeah. Um, we would do teleconferences every now and then, but we hadn't thought about, ah, well, you know, if we have to do that all the time, how do we connect with people? How do we have morning tea together? How do we <laughs> um, how do we get together and collaborate over pieces of work? Mm. You know, the normal situation was, you know, we'd have most of our people together in one place and you might dial in one or two people from outside. Mm. Yeah, everyone is remote and yeah. you have to be finding a way to connect with each other yeah that's right and and so now um in your not working time at home how have you been keeping yourself occupied uh what are some of the things you've been finding that you're getting up to in your lockdown living yeah i forgot to mention at the start my my whanau here my bubble whanau which is uh, my partner louise um our dog doris and our cat chucky uh that's, that's my bubble and um I've been really busy. Like Louise and I were talking about how fast the days have been going. Um, I kind of think of it, it's almost like planning for your retirement, you know, when, you know, you, you don't have work anymore. How are you going to fill your days? And I've had plenty of things to do around the house to focus on. The dog keeps you busy because you've got to yeah. take the dog out for walks and, and things like that. Um, I do um, community trapping for Predator Free New Zealand. Uh, in um, in my neighbourhood, and so I've kept involved with some of that to get me out and about. That's so cool. And, um, I haven't been short of short of things to do. We probably got to a lot of jobs and things that we might not have otherwise done. 
Um, but like you said earlier, when, when you're working at home, you know, you, you kind of push the limits of your work time quite a bit. Um, but then the good thing is you don't have a commute at the end of that. Yeah. for me. You know, I, I still like to finish my work day and cook dinner or, or something like that because it's something else to think about and, and focus on. <laughs> have um, you, have you, just to keep yourself sane, have you at the end of your work day gone and jumped in the car, driven around the block just to drive home? <laughs> <laughs> no, to give some. I live near the um, railway station here, and the trains are still running, but there's no one on them. You just see wow. these trains going oh, past. Really, um, obviously, it's for essential workers. Um, yeah, yeah. Try and keep the social distancing. They're putting on more carriages than they need to, so they're, they're not just empty trains; they're big empty trains. You know? <laughs> it's a strange thing. But, it is strange. But, it is strange. Uh, uh, we enjoy it like like we kind of fight over who gets to go to the supermarket because it's an outing, and then. Uh, <laughs> We got, we got a good emergency trip out because um, the dog, Doris, helped me find a wasp nest in the garden by right. by going and walking into it and getting herself stuck a few Ooh. times. And uh, so we had to whip her off to the vet and it was quite quite exciting. You know, we were like looking around at like, different things that we hadn't seen for a little yeah. while. So, so to Doris, you were like... Are you okay? But thank you so much for getting stung because <laughs> now we get an outing. Uh, look, we're going to jump to some questions. We're going to fire some questions through because we've got some good ones in here. And uh, we're just going to, yeah, we're going to, as they come up. So Shayla Balls asks, what's the most challenging part of your role? Yeah, well, I think the most challenging part of the role is that <laughs> your job affects a lot of people. And, and dealing with change, everyone wants tomorrow to be better than today, but not everyone wants their work or their life to change to achieve it. Yeah. And achieving change, you know, sometimes not everyone's going to be happy with what you've got to do, and you've got to find the balance between um, making progress and making sure that you don't cause a lot of trauma or um upset or confusion for people along the way um and it's always i'm always balancing that trying to make the pace of change right so that people can accept what's going on um but also that it's stretching people enough that we that we grow that's great awesome let's uh, bring another one in what do we got next um agnes asks what are your thoughts about flexible working arrangements for example four day work week opposed to five days well, actually, this is one of the things that, that's kind of helped us quite a lot in the situation is that we were already doing quite a lot of work on flexible working, like like a lot of people were. Um, and, and I think, you know, having flexibility is really important because it helps people mm. that work-life balance um, mm. and, and it helps people achieve that. So, yeah. you know, like I was saying, if you cut your commute out of your day, that can sometimes make a big difference to that particular yeah. day. Um, and you know, I was already working at home maybe one or two days um, a month, not yep. a lot, but two days made a big difference for me. Um, and, yeah. and it usually was convenient for me to do that. And I think we know now with people being busy, both parents working, um, mm. trying to raise families, um, care for children, care for animals, um, it helps people a lot in their life um, to work from home sometimes or, or have a different work week. Um, and yeah. we should. Accept Except that, and and our world's gone to a seven day a week world, 
You know, we're not yeah. five days we will anymore. So yeah. you try and squeeze everything into the five days. You know, I think if yeah. we some people want to work four days, work four days. Some people want to work five days, work five days. If you want to do a split fortnight, do a split fortnight. You know, there's lots of different ways you can tackle that problem. <laughs> one day <laughs> i know i know from personal experience that um these aren't just things you're saying because i was i was a beneficiary of you being a, a great advocate with me allowing me with my big family to work yeah. quite flexibly as well so mm. uh, i can vouch for darius on that one uh he, he really does practice what he preaches there but we talk uh, about work balance and sometimes forget about the work part that, that we need. <laughs> and we be feel fulfilled and yeah get satisfaction out of our lives that we've achieved something mm. uh, so it's not like we we put the life balance first and forget about work it's about mm. trying to keep that equilibrium yeah, yeah. it's great uh we've got one from janet here what strategies do you use as a leader during difficult conversations with people it's a good one yeah I, I think you've always got to be honest you know and 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 i think you know, you shouldn't get to a point where you've bottled up a lot of difficult stuff and you unload it on someone all at once. Mm. If you need feedback or direction along the way, do that along the way. And, and then those those difficult conversations don't get so difficult. You, you in, in any job and any career and life, people let you down from time to time. It, it's okay to say that. You, you don't need to get angry about that be respectful and say, you know, how are we going to deal with this differently next time? Um, That's great. Cool. Awesome. Darius, have you watched Tiger King? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The amazing thing about Tiger King is um, I was following a podcast series called Over My Dead Body, and they did a podcast series on Tiger King before the Netflix series. Ah. And so I've listened to that podcast and I was like, oh, wow, that was unbelievable. And I was telling Louise all about it and how crazy the story was about, you know, the Tiger oh. King and everything like that, Joe Exotic. And then the Netflix series came on. I was really excited to see it. It's like <laughs> we, we got into it straight away when it when it came out. But if you, if you haven't, if you've watched a Netflix series and you want more because there's no more episodes, <laughs> find that podcast and it'll, it'll give you a few more things that you don't get out of the TV series. Right, and that's called that was over my dead body. Is that right? That was called that. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure if you just search any podcast platform, and oh yeah, it's Tiger King or Tiger King podcast, you'll find that one. <laughs> yeah, I think it was in four parts. It was really good. Cool. Carol Baskin. <laughs> yeah, Carol Baskin. Yeah. Okay, we're going to pull in a, a couple more, and then uh, we're going to carry on with our conversations around some other fun stuff, but. Um, let's go for Agnes. What is, uh, what is your advice to help teams communicate better and break silos? Mm, good question. This is something that's been a big challenge at Corrections because Corrections is like a whole lot of different moving parts. So we have the prison part of Corrections. We have the community part of Corrections. We have policy. And, and I think um, my advice would be mix those groups up as much as possible. Um, and... And at Corrections Now, we, we do that from day one. So when this may sound really obvious to people out there, but when people start at Corrections Now, they all start on the same day, whether you're a corrections officer, whether you're a probation officer, whether you're a case manager, whether you're a nurse, you start at the same day, all as a group. Mm. And uh, a lot of our leaders, like myself, um, our chief executive, get to go and talk to those people. 
And, and we're sending a really strong message from day one. Hey, you guys all need to work together. Even though mm. you do different things, you all need to work together. Mm. And I, I think that's the same in, in a smaller team as well. You know, I, I like to get my teams together often, um, you know, a lot. Sometimes people complain, you know, that you, you get together too much. But I've had some great leaders in the past that would get together every week. And if you make a habit of that, in a time like this where you really need to stay in touch, you've already made that space. You've already got times where you touch base and connect with each other mm. to figure yeah. out how to do it in a different way. Yeah, it's really good. That's really awesome. And let's bring in, we've got some, honestly, we've got some really good ones here. Um, but I want to keep us progressing forward. So what we're going to do is we're going to yeah, pull one more in. And then I'm going to collate all of these. Our admin will collate all of these great uh, questions, and I'll try and spend a bit of time um, asking you a few of them a bit later, Darius, if you don't mind, because um, I know it's been really helpful for people. But uh, let's fire one more question in here. Seen a, a few snack. good ones. Yes, Darius, snack question. <laughs> what has been your go-to lockdown snack? You know, I actually brought a prop for this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Vegemite James. Nice. And this nice is a new flavor. And um, Louise's mum actually introduced us to these because she brought them. She came out here from Scotland um, this year and she brought them from Australia before they were out in New Zealand. I was like, oh, these are amazing. And then they came <laughs> on the shop here and, oh, man, that was the last box. Louise ate four. I think I ate the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Darius yeah, sponsored by Shapes. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, hey, we could get you a sponsorship. Darius sponsored by Vegemite Shapes. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> We're going to get to closing off the show now. Um, but this last section here, oh, second to last section, is called Our Thoughts Are Gathering. And just one, if you've got, whether it's for leaders or uh, people that, you know, uh, they just want to need a bit of encouragement or a bit of advice around how to manage some things during this time. Um, what would be your one piece of advice, Darius, or, or bit of encouragement for people that you could leave them with tonight? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been thinking about how, um, you know, while a lot of people are making sacrifices and this is hard right now, it's also a bit of an opportunity to refresh. So mm. we're going we're gonna to go out in the outside world again at some point in the future and we're going to look at things a bit differently. And, and I don't want us to forget all the things we've thought about now and, and all of those extra efforts that we had to go to to make connections with people. Maybe yeah. don't take all those physical connections for, for granted as much when we're back mm. out there. So true. Very cool. True. And for yourself, Bodes, what's one thing that's on yeah, top bro, of you? Uh, I think just in the same sentiment as before, um, just on the back of Easter and Anzac Day, and then uh, today was uh, Thankful Friday for us, and uh, I threw mm. up a post um, so I'm in my feels at the moment, <laughs> but just, I think being thankful, uh, being thankful for, you know, for, so for everything that you, you do have and, and having that attitude of gratitude, um, and just ha having a look at other people that may be koha in the past and, um, being grateful for them, um, be grateful for, um, I want to say for everything, but, you know, just changing that shift. That shifting your mindset um, for, yeah. and th and thinking outwards um, and being thankful for others. Nice. And look, I, I echo both um, sentiments tonight. And I think as we close up, um, 
I've got a video that I want us to play as we we leave uh, tonight's show, and it it is about being thankful and about being grateful and about uh, coming hot into Easter, but off the back, oh, sorry, into Anzac and off the back of Easter, it's all about remembering those that have gone before us and those that have um, paved the way. I think about um, leaders. I think about our parents. I think about grandparents and all of those uh, that have gone before and being thankful for that, like you said, Bodhi, um, for people, being thankful for our work colleagues, being thankful for one another, being thankful that we do have jobs for those that do have jobs, being thankful that we can be part of communities. And that if there are people out there struggling, um, let us know, even if it's through anything that you might need. Um, we have pathways and some great community organizations we're tapped into to help with that as well. So just mm-hmm. don't do it. Do it on your own. Um, before we get to that video, Darius, I want to say thank you so much for your time tonight. I know you are a busy person, um, but but also um, just the the wisdom, the mm. the leadership, the insight uh, you've shown us tonight, and and the ability to to have a, have a laugh with us. Um, I really appreciate that as well. It's always good to see you. Uh, thank you for your time, and thank you for uh, your heart. And you know, on a personal note, always I always say it, but thank you for the way you have looked after me and my Fano over the years. And that's not just my children, but also the honor and respect you have for my parents, which is, uh, which has meant a lot for me as well. Well, there you have it. An amazing court at all with Darius Fagan. I ask that you might share, like subscribe and follow our podcast so that you get all the up-to-date information notifications when a new podcast drops. We are looking to provide a podcast once every couple of weeks Um, But I do want to give some insight into a new conversation that's coming up within the next month. And that is with a friend and leader who has gone through some interesting times over the last 12 months and had made a decision and decided to push pause on that very thing that they felt called to lead. How do you do that and still move forward? How do you do that while still moving other people forward? How do you do that and still trust and sense that God has got a calling on your life, even though it doesn't look like it in that moment? I pray you are blessed today. I pray you can apply some of the things that you learned from our conversation here on Render Radio. We are the Render Gathering, helping you become.